0: women emote and when we're really listening and connecting with them when we're tapping into their emotions they have the ability to tap into our emotions if we're open and if we let down our guard and the reason sometimes we don't let down our guard because we don't know where this is going we don't know if she is going to throw us under the bus or she's going to say you know what yes you get a second date (laughs) so it's it's this whole dance this this tangle that we're doing and kind of figuring out Where is this going? This
1: is episode number 516 with Simon Bailey, Ignite the Power of Women. I am excited about this conversation because Simon has written a book that men need to read, but women also need to hear. So we're going to get into it in just a minute. I want to welcome you back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe it is never too late to go on your last first date. And to support you on your journey to lasting love, I wrote a book, and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value How to Thrive in Life and Love. And it's filled with basically everything I learned on my path to healing after my divorce and really having an empowered life. And, um, I share a tip from the book each week by the way the book is available on amazon for kindle or paperback the tip this week is step number 17 which is let go of toxic people we're often married to toxic toxic people or people who are toxic to us and um and that's why we leave and hopefully when we have left we have to really look at ourselves and say well how did I attract this person? So it's not really about blaming these people for being the way they are. They're toxic to us. And sometimes they're not toxic to other people, right? And so what I want to challenge you with this week is to look at your life and see if there are still people in your life who are draining you, who are what we call emotional vampires. They suck all the life out of the room. They're not really adding to your life, but they're taking away from your life. And step-by-step, just let go because those people are not gonna, they're not gonna be the good for you. And um, so before I go to uh, introduce Simon, I just want to introduce you to my Facebook group if you're not yet a member. It's called Your Last First Date and it's a fabulous group for women who want to grow on their journey to love. It is not a place to complain and vent. Um, Yeah, look, dating isn't always easy and that's fine. We don't expect to have toxic positivity in the group either, but we do want you to look at your part and to grow so that you can find the love of your life. So join us at your last first date. And now for my fabulous guest, Simon Bailey. He's the author of a new book. It's called Ignite the Power of Women in Your Life, a Guide for Men. Really great tips for people, men who wanna do better, as Simon has a great story of his own life, of how he had to learn this himself. Simon is a really cool guy. He's been a Hall of Fame keynote speaker and a renowned advisor to companies in many diverse industries. And his framework is based on 30 years of experience in the hospitality industry, which is hard to believe because Simon looks like he's about 20. And um, he was a sales director for the Disney Institute and has three popular online courses that are featured on LinkedIn Learning. He had a goal cast video about a conversation with his daughter that got 90 million views on Facebook and inspired his book and his movement. Welcome to the show, Simon.
0: Sandy, it's so good to be with you. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, let's get into your story. Um, You you talk about your wife, Jodi, and you met her online. Most people say online dating doesn't work, but obviously it does. And um, you had been divorced. So how did you move past the fear of getting out there again?
0: Oh my goodness, Sandy. It was hard, let me just start there. When Jody and I met online, we talked for hours because my therapist, Anita, said the next person you date, you, you need at least 50 to 100 uh, contact hours of just conversation. So we started there. And I think what allowed me to get over the fear of getting back in the market or at least connecting with someone is her, her conversation. She was so kind, so warm so open. And when I physically met her, finally, uh, I felt like I was in high school all over again. And so it really kind of helped heal the nervousness and like, oh my goodness, this is not happening again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I decided to just uh, go for it. 50 to 100 contact hours. That's interesting. I I think that most people just kind of jump in and expect it to be an immediate Connection and it's somehow you're gonna walk into a room and it's gonna hit you like some romance novel and and that's so not the truth. And so that, that's really good advice because we have to get to know each other. Yes. And when, when we don't, we miss all kinds of red flags and we often get pulled in by lust and not real connection. So um, that's a great story and that you also mentioned therapist so tell us a little bit more about what got you to work with a therapist
0: so when I went through uh, my divorce which you know led to the video going viral my uh, attorney divorce attorney said to me you need to go and see a therapist and I was like really it's like no dude wants to go and sit on a sofa with a therapist named Anita who's been practicing for 40 years and has more degrees in a thermostat like that is so <laughs> not happening But Sandy, I find myself on the sofa, and Anita says to me, whatever you don't deal with will eventually deal with you. And it was just like, whoa, I was not ready for that. And so once a month, maybe twice a month, one to two hours a month over an 18-month period, I would show up and just sit and, and process where I was at, what had happened in the past and and how I could find a way forward. And today I swear by therapy. And I think sometimes the reason men don't wanna to go to therapy is because number one, will it make us less masculine? Number two, what do we tell our fellas, our guy friends, you know, our posse, our crew, our tribe? And then I think number three, am I really doing it for myself or am i doing it to shut her up <laughs> and, and i think when uh, guys kind of move past that then we understand that it's okay to be an mvp a most vulnerable person it doesn't mean you're less of a man it means you're more human
1: being human is is a big part of this process it's pretty hard to fall in love if you're not human um, we're probably the only species that actually does that But yeah, I I find that a lot of men feel it's, um, it's weak. It's hard to be vulnerable. It's hard. I mean, you know, what I think a lot of women don't realize is that in the dating process, certainly back in the day, but I think still today, men make all the first moves. They take all the risks in terms of asking the woman out, proposing, um, initiating sex, initiating dates, paying for dates. They know there's, there's this whole hierarchy of men risk and women say yes or no. And I think a lot of women don't even think about the fact that men are risking rejection constantly and how scary that must be for men. So, yeah, would you speak to that?
0: Yeah, I think men, we've been taught, you know, to... Uh, be in charge of everything and to an extent we are control freaks if the truth be told right we just want to control how everything unfolds and because we've been taught to suppress our emotions we realize that sometimes we live in our head instead of our heart women emote And when we're really listening and connecting with them, when we're tapping into their emotions, they have the ability to tap into our emotions if we're open and if we let down our guard. And the reason sometimes we don't let down our guard because we don't know where this is going. We don't know if she is gonna throw us under the bus or she's gonna say, you know what? Yes, you get a second date. So it's, it's this whole dance, this, this tangle that we're doing and kind of figuring out where is this going. And what I've discovered with men that I've talked to who are really, really open, the first thing they say is they release the need to be right and to be in control. Number two, they realized they didn't have to have all the answers. Yes, they needed to at least make a decision because a woman appreciates that, but they would uh, really connect with her to say, here's what I'm thinking, what do you think? And it's all in language, right? And I think the third thing is this ability to realize that the same letters that spell the word listen, spell the word silent. And sometimes as men, we have selective hearing rather than authentic listening. And men that make that shift to authentic listening, they begin to discover how to listen between the sentences, how to read uh, uh, read uh, beyond the field, how to listen for what's not said, and ask her, tell me more, let's unpack that.
1: Sounds like a therapist, sorry. <laughs> I think that men and women have trouble listening. You know, we we're so afraid that we're going to get lost in the in in the conversation, that we interrupt, that we don't wait long enough for somebody to hear us, and we're not great at communicating either. And and so I work with women to um, to give men that time to respond, because often they're they're so busy filling the void. And we spoke about this last night on my, I teach an online dating course. And somebody said, "Um, what do you think about women pausing? And I said, it's so important because, and tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe that men need more time sometimes to process. And if women are just jumping in and not waiting, they don't give their man the ability to respond with thought and care. Is that, is that your experience?
0: It's totally my experience. And women who are listening to us who understand the power of the pause, it's a part of the wooing process because we as men, we wanna be respected, we wanna be honored and we wanna be heard. And remember the first woman that a man has learned to love was his mother. And a mother, and I'm not saying that you need to become a mother in dating, I'm not saying that, but what a mother did for a son was to listen and then give him feedback. And that ability to really give us feedback on what's going on or what we just said um, becomes the mirror that reflects back to us, she heard me, she gets me, she's interested. And that is a part of the journey of dating and, and discovery.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's sexy to be heard. It feels like you're seen and that's what we all yearn for. And, and men are bad re- mind readers, ladies. Um, <laughs> I, I think we're all bad mind readers, but we we expect that if somebody really cares about us, they're going to know what we think and what we want. So I think we, if we don't speak our truth and we don't have these kinds of important conversations, we really can't grow our intimacy.
0: Yeah, I think one of the most important questions piggybacking on what you said that when you're starting out to date that you should ask is how can I best serve you, what is the best way I can serve you in this conversation? Um, Are you visual? Are you auditory? Are you hands-on? How do you receive information? Uh, What are some things that are turn off for you? And I know that's probably a lot of questions up front, but I think if we can cut through the chase and really get to the heart of communication, When I ask the question, how I can best serve you, I really, really want to know, because I don't just want to sit across from you and make it all about me. How do we make it about we? And a part of that is just understanding that hearing is a courtesy, but listening is a compliment.
1: I like that you ask, how can I best serve you? It's something I do with my clients. I've never thought about doing it in the dating world, but I do ask my clients, how do you learn best? You know, are you auditory, are you a visual learner? Because I give homework. And if I'm giving you homework that's written homework and you are more of an auditory person and need to listen to something, the homework's not gonna sink in. And so I, I, I love that. And I've also, I've asked, how might you sabotage this relationship? <laughs> I, I once asked a guy that on the second date and he looked at me like I was crazy. <laughs> and I said, you know, we we all we all have our go to. You know, we all sabotage in some way. Maybe we shut down when we're upset, and we have we don't have the skills to speak up. We sulk. Maybe it's um, I'm going to look for ways to distance you from me when I get scared. If we talk about that, then we recognize, okay, this person is distancing. What can we do to bring that person closer? How can we make it a safe space? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that.
0: Oh, my goodness. so you are you are at my address right now. <laughs> so in um full transparency, I went to see a therapist the other day because Jody and I had a little moment. We're married, and we had a <laughs> moment. And the first thing the therapist, Rachel, told me is she said, You are experiencing um, fight or flight and something happened that ties back to your divorce. You were triggered. And the first thing you do is you shut down. And though you have evolved and yes, you've written a book, that's nice, but you still are being invited to do your work. And you know what, Sandy, she like put her finger right on it. I said, that's right. And when I left there, my big, big takeaway was when I shut down, that is unhealthy. And I bring that unhealthy uh, community style into the marriage and that does not work. That causes us to hit a bump, a significant bump, and we stop and we have to like figure it out, right? So I had to make it right with Jody. I had to uh, say to her, I'm gonna do better because something happened. I built up an entire story in my head around what happened and I shut down. And I think for all the ladies that are listening to us is uh, extend us grace, uh, extend us the deep grace and invite us to continue to talk it through because we've been taught, suppress, keep the mask on, do not open up, don't go there because that's not safe because you're gonna judge us, you're gonna think differently of us. And what I realized when you show up to say, how can I best serve you? That's showing that you're willing to give, not just take. So serving us is asking us, hey, I just want you to be you. I'm here. We can work through this.
1: It takes courage to do that. And a lot of people are not open to doing that. Like we said in the beginning, people who are avoiding therapy and don't want to talk about hard things, but I love how you repaired. And so whenever there's a fracture in a relationship, there can be an amazing repair. And I have been witness to some clients who have tried to repair and have repeated what they need to the man that they are with, and he just doesn't get it. And that, that's a point where he's also not willing to get help. And so if he's shut down to help and he's not really hearing her and he's, he's saying, well, you know, I don't, because he doesn't really agree that he needs to do anything different. And that's a problem because we, we do need to honor and respect each other. And, you know, I think our communication style, being able to recognize where our triggers are what we do when we are in fight or flight really matters. I mean, some people react strongly and take it out on the other person. Some people recede, you know, like you were describing, it's that distancing and, and other people are able to take that time out and, and be gracious about it. You know, and I I used to do this with my children when after my divorce, there was a lot of conflict and, and a lot of emotions going down and especially with my youngest. And she was very reactive. And there were times when I did not trust what would come out of my mouth. And I said to her multiple times, I'm gonna go take a break because I don't wanna say something I'm gonna regret, but I need to I need to calm down and then I wanna have this conversation. So being able to be aware of that and take responsibility for not taking it out on the other person is huge. Let's take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. You can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. Plus, you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere on any of your devices, your smartphone, your tablet, your PC or Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled devices like the Amazon Echo. Get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 30 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to learn more and claim this offer. In the book, you talk about the imprint of the father, and you know, there's it's one of the first things I do in coaching is to look at family of origin, the um, what we call the love blueprint, or the you know how we learn about relationships. And he, my son has talked a lot about his relationship with his father and how he wishes, in certain ways, that he got guidance about women from him and didn't learn the things that he had to kind of teach himself. And so I'm curious about the significance that you find um, between a man and his father, and also how it affected you in your own life and what you would say to men um, in terms of their father and their relationship with him.
0: When I think about my father, my father absolutely loved and adored my mom. Uh, did everything for her. my father and mother, came up in an era the greatest generation where he was all about providing and taking care of uh, my mother. When he passed, he said to me and my brothers, whatever you do, take care of your mom. So that is that has stayed with us. It's just etched in who we are. But one of the things that he neglected to do was to tell me that he loved me. And he said, I put food on the table, clothes on your back and shelter over your head. That was my way of saying that I loved you. And I said, you never said it. As a result, I never told Daniel and Madison that I loved them. And their mother said to me, what's going on? And I began to tell her about my dad. And she said, you may want to do something about that. And so when I had the conversation with my dad, he said to me uh, on his deathbed, I love you, I believe in you, whatever you do, put God first. And it was just, it was eye opening for me, but I then turned to Daniel and Madison and really began to upgrade my verbal software by saying to them, I love you and I believe in you, but it went a step further. When I talked to my brothers after our father said this, when we started to conversate with each other we started saying at the end of our call, I love you, man, I love you, man. Guys, don't do that. (laughs) But because of our father re-imprinting on our head and our heart that we were loved and seen and valued by him, it changed us. So when uh, Jody and I got together, the first conversation I said to her, I said, tell me about your dad. And as we got to know each other, she began to say, I hadn't talked, she hadn't talked to her dad in eight years. And i said okay i said do you think it's time to maybe pick up the phone uh, and do that now let me just add a disclaimer i am not a therapist i probably should encourage her to go to a therapist or to talk to someone because i don't know what trauma or history is attached to that but the more i begin to know her and she began to trust me trust is the emotional glue of all relationships she picked up the phone she called her dad and her dad said that he had been waiting for that call and their relationship has just really begun to heal as a result of that. But here's what I would say to uh, women. If you really want to understand how a man thinks, tell him to share a time that is the most amazing time that he had with his dad. Also share a time when he and his dad were perhaps disconnected or perhaps he didn't grow up with his dad. Help him unpack that because it will speak volumes to how he thinks and how he approaches life. To men that are listening, I would say, um, if you have a son, what is your son seeing in you? Because how to love a woman is caught and taught. What is your son learning about love as you father him?
1: It's an interesting thing about, about love and how it's expressed. And I grew up in a family that nobody said, I love you either. It was shown in certain ways, like in your family, it was shown, but not spoken. And um, the fact that your father was able to turn around, my dad was too, because of me, because I said, we need to say, I love you. And I started saying it and it was awkward in the beginning. And it was like, okay, love you all, love ya. <laughs> you know, just like this, awkward. Um, but I think that it's it's a training because I mean, my kids, we don't end a fun conversation with that, I love you. And, and we don't just say it. So a lot of times also, I think this can become like, goodbye, love you, sounds the same. And I think that it's also important to be intentional in how you express love and gratitude for each other. and and with some of my kids, we we do have like these set times where we will express like, here's what I noticed this week, this is what I'm really grateful for. Here's what I regret having said. um here's what I'll do better. You know, and just I think that if we can all model for our children, how to do better and then they can go on and create a better legacy for relationships. I mean, that to me is the ultimate goal is that the next generation does better. How are your kids doing?
0: They're doing better because I've just had to double down on being a better dad and I have two amazing bonus daughters and Ashley and Chelsea. And I realized that I just need to show up every single day in fact, I picked up this card the other day and for those who are listening, the card says, I love a world with a woman like you running it. And it's a a little card of a little girl that's maybe nine years of age. And I bought this card for Madison and I'm going to write a little note in the card, not because it's her birthday. It's not because she did anything outstanding, but I just want to hug her with my words Mm. to let her know how I feel and how I think about her as a young lady growing up, she's 20 years of age, and Daniel's 23 and I'm gonna write him a little note as well because sometimes our children need to be hugged with our words and we may not verbalize it, but it's written, this is something that they will share with their children one day, my grandchildren, right? That look at what dad did and that's the imprint of a father.
1: Hug with your words, that's that's a great way to say it. And we don't, we don't express enough. You know, I think that people again, assume, well, you're my kid. I love you, obviously. But a lot of times there's conditions attached to that love. Like I love you when you get straight A's and I love you when you're the first in the team and when you make the team and when you clean your room, I love you a lot. You know, when you don't, not so much. (laughs) So even though we don't always say those words we you know they feel it and they need to to know that they are they are loved just for being and and existing in the world and so it's wonderful that they have you as a as a cheerleader cheering them on to to just show up in the world and and be human <laughs>
0: I have my thoughts. I'm still that helicopter dad from time to time. So (laughs) I'm in recovery. I'm in recovery from being a helicopter dad.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I totally get that. I mean, I've watched my kids make big mistakes and it's been really hard to sit back, especially in the field of dating and relationships because that's my field. And it's like, oh, (laughs) but if they're not ready, they will not hear you. And so I've been more of a, a hint dropper and a you know invitation like you know here's what I see if and when you're ready for support I'm here but nice. never this is what you need to do you're doing it all wrong you know even though that's what you really want to say you started to talk about the you know expressing care and I'm wondering if that's tied into the four practices of caring science um, yeah. that that you have mentioned in your book. So um, talk about how those, what, it, what that is and how it's transformed your life.
0: This whole toss, uh, caring science transformation taught me four practices. The first practice of forgiveness. Uh, there have been so many mistakes that I've made over the years, just personally as a man, and I had to I had to forgive myself of what happened. So I didn't bring that into a relationship, right? So forgiveness, first practice. Second practice is this ability to practice gratitude, uh, just really being grateful to be alive. You know, every day on top of the ground is a good day, but also taking time to be grateful for. The person who just walked in and said hello to you that I mean in a world of disconnection where people are just kind of focused to say good morning good afternoon uh, to another human being just being grateful for that. The third practice is surrender. So as a man I'm a bit of a control freak Madison told me um, last year that she was going to a Harry Styles concert. And I said, who are you going with? She said, I'm going with my college roommate. And I'm like, we were all 20 at one time. So what's happening before and after? And, and she just kind of shut down because I was over the top. And what I realized, Sandy, I needed to surrender. I needed to realize that her mother and I had raised her to be a good citizen, to be a person who abides by the law, and I needed to let it go. And sure enough, she calls me the next morning, had a great time. And I was like, that's the practice of surrender. (laughs) Because if not, you worry yourself into a tizzy. Well, what about this or what about that, right? And then the fourth practice is um, practicing compassionate human service. Compassionate human service, Sandy, really helps us think about all the research says right now, seven out of 10 people are stressed out, dealing with depression. Dealing with high anxiety because of a world that's transforming. And when you practice human compassion, it's not cutting that person off in traffic. It's, it's taking a moment to, if you're going into an elevator, to let the person behind you step in. Uh, it's this ability to be kind to someone else, not for what you can get from them, but what you can give to them.
1: Um, really good things to live by. And where did where did they come from?
0: Dr. Jean Watson is a scholar uh, at the University of Colorado at Boulder. She's known uh, in the nursing field as the Lady Gaga of nursing for 40 years. She has been teaching caring science, caritas transformation. So that's where I learned the four practices from Dr. Jean Watson. She's amazing.
1: This is really important. And it's, those are things that people really struggle with. So I would say forgiveness. People think, oh, should I ever forgive somebody for the egregious thing that they did? And so for that, I like to say you can forgive, but not forget, because it's important not to keep repeating those things or to condone bad behavior. But you're also talking here about forgiving yourself. And I see this a lot in the dating world where people blame themselves for things they did, and it ends up causing them real stress, like sickness, and they do bring it to the next relationship. So if i if I did this here, I'm going to keep repeating it or I'm a bad person or I came from a bad background, and so i'm I'm hopeless. and so that kind of is that is that what you're referring to with, in Absolutely. terms of forgiving yourself?
0: Yeah, I had to forgive myself and forgive my spouse uh, because I didn't want to hold on to why we have been married for twenty five years and why it went south. I had to forgive her and a part of forgiving her was writing a letter, taking the letter to her, having a conversation and just releasing that. Even when when I had to write the alimony check, no guy wants to write a five figure alimony check on a monthly basis, but I had to do it. And this is a stretch. I had to do it with joy. I had to do it with joy, Sandy. And when I did it with joy, when I wrote the alimony check and the child support and, and I did it with joy, I was I was healing myself because I refused to be bitter and I ensured that I monitored my language in front of the children how I talked about their mother never threw her under the bus never said a mean thing I said and 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 during Mother's Day I would say your mom is amazing I am so happy that she raised you and that for me that wasn't for her it was for me to keep myself in check <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but it's a great practice because most people don't do that and I can tell you that when I got divorced the alimony checks were written with so much resentment and I can't wait for these to end kind of thing and as the recipient it's like I'm not asking for a lot they were not five figures and they were you know it was sort of the bare minimum but it there was so much that he hadn't yet worked through, mm-hmm. and. For me, it was about, I had to, I had to be that for my kids. I had to help them through setting boundaries and, and, you know, learning to accept their father for who they, who he was, which was a lot of great things. He loves them dearly, but he wasn't always able to show them love in the way that they needed. And so it's, it's not taking sides and saying, your father's a terrible person. Oh, I get it. You get it now. This is why I left it. You know, it's very easy to go there. And it's no fault of theirs that you got married and had them as, you know, it's like, we, we chose this life and they're the fallout. And so how can we make it easier and better and, and learn and grow, which is something that you did beautifully. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you talk about gratitude, you know, focusing on gratitude, especially you brought up depression and stress and in our crazy world that we live in now, It can be so easy to just look at ourselves and say, what's wrong and how are we suffering? We suffer so much less when we can focus on what is working because that's within our control. And a lot of things are not, you know, we're living at a time when the stock market's crashing and there's a war going on in Russia and who knows what's going to happen in the world. But we can control these small parts of our lives and surrender that's a really hard one for people, <laughs> letting go of control. I think people, like you admitted that you're a control freak a few times in this conversation. I think most people deny that. They think, oh, I, I, I'm I, not controlling. And yet they, they need to manage everything and everyone. And that is so self-defeating. So being able to surrender, but also... You mentioned something else because it's not just let go of everything. I think that's that's very Zen and Buddhist and it's a beautiful place to be that most of us can't attain. But you mentioned you trust, um, that you, you trust your children. You brought these kids up in a certain way. You gave them a foundation. And I think that that's a big part of surrender that when we have built something with a solid foundation, we then have to let go. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people fail to do that initial training and building, and then they're always trying to play catch
0: up. And when you surrender, I'm so glad you said trust, you're not totally uh, letting, you're throwing caution to the wind, you're still an able-bodied thinking individual, but what you're doing is you're not controlling the outcome. Uh, it's what Wayne Dyer taught years ago, operating with detached intention. So my intentions are in the right place. I'm just going to detach myself for how it unfolds. I'm still going to do what I need to do. And, and so when you operate in that place, it, it it allows you to let go of the stress and just breathe, take a deep breath. It's going to work out.
1: Yeah, it's, it's not your weight to carry. Let's talk about romance because... Often when people are in a long-term relationship, it um, takes a back seat. So what are some practical ways that men can bring the romance back?
0: Oh, my goodness. I love this question. I think the first thing, obviously, uh, what is her love language, which, you know, thank you, Dr. Gary Chapman for introducing (laughs) that. But I think there's a a deeper question to ask uh, is how does she like to be cherished? Because anybody can say, I love you, but when I cherish you, I am thoughtful about Is it a handwritten note that's left in a refrigerator? Is it a text? Is it a phone call during the day? Is it sending flowers for no reason at all? Is it going to her favorite restaurant and and taking flowers, having them at the table preset with just a little gift, a little small gift there at the table. So when you get there, All of a sudden, she's like, you plan this? Absolutely. Because when you cherish someone, you are constantly wooing them. And then sometimes it's just taking a walk. Sometimes men, we think we have to do big, big, big things and we have to spend a lot of money. Sometimes she just wants to go for a bike ride or maybe a, a walk uh, down the street. It's being intentional to say, how is she wired? What do I know? And how do I make that emotional deposit into her emotional bank account? That as the interest begins to accrue in the account, she knows that she is cherished.
1: The love languages are, are brilliant. Understanding how people give and receive love. It's not just one way. And um, knowing how a woman likes to be cherished. and sometimes a woman will tell a man and he'll ignore her. And again, that- That'll <laughs> go
0: right over his head.
1: Exactly. I mean, I, I had an incident early on in my marriage where my ex-husband bought me a birthday cake. And I've talked about this on the podcast before. So if you've heard the story, just ignore me. Um, but it was, it was so significant to me that it bears repeating. He, he bought me an ice cream cake in his favorite flavor. And uh,
0: (laughs) in his favorite flavor (laughs) exactly
1: so i i thanked him for the cake i was gracious and i said next time would you be willing to get one in my favorite flavor that would mean a lot to me well the way he would take feedback was i'm never buying you another ice cream cake and this happened over and over in terms of gift giving and so it's like i'm giving you the i'm giving (laughs) i'm giving you the recipe here like this is what I need. And he, he had a hard time hearing any feedback. He would just shut down. And so as we grow and he's very different today, he's done a lot of work on himself and he's, he's in a much better place, but it's, you know, to take a look at ourselves, like how are we hearing somebody's feedback? And especially if it's given kindly, because otherwise we don't know. We don't know if she likes texts more than flowers or, Ice cream cake versus a bunch of kale and making a salad or, you know, you clean the bathroom, let's have sex. You know, it's it, it can be anything. And I think this goes both ways. We both need to understand how how do we give and receive love and how do we feel like we're really important to the other person.
0: What you just said, we can drop a pen in that. How do we hear the other person? And do we ensure that nothing is lost in translation? That's so good. Thank you for saying that.
1: Well, Simon, this has been an amazing conversation. And uh, to end, I always like to ask my guests the same question. What are your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first
0: date? Love is not what it says, it's what it does. Love desires to give at the expense of uh, self so how can i love with no strings attached
1: no strings attached love and you know i think people put all these conditions and they have all these long lists and one of the first steps in finding love is to look at those lists and and look at yourself like what am i holding on to am i making these crazy requirements that a person has to have that have nothing to do with love they have to do with Some idea of love that's in a book or a movie or what your society has told you, it has nothing to do with a day to day, how are we going to be with each other and everything that you've shared today really has to do with how do we communicate, how do we show love, how do we express our care for each other? How do we let go of stuff? How do we go and get support for ourselves so we don't take out our crap on the other person? <laughs> These, like when you come to a relationship with that emotional intelligence and the, uh, the awareness of who am I, we just set ourselves up for success. So this has just been a, a really rich conversation. And I want to thank you and um, have you let our audience know how to best find you and go get that book.
0: Sure. Go to ignitethepowerofwomen.com.
1: Thanks everybody for listening. If you love our show, please rate and review us. Give us a five-star review if you feel moved because that's how people find us and we get more listeners. And as always, here's to your last first date. If you are ready to get unstuck gain new tools, become more empowered, and finally find your last first date, I'd love to talk to you. Fill out an application to be considered for a complimentary half-hour love breakthrough session at lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. That's lastfirstdate.com forward slash application. I look forward to talking to you soon.